Hello and welcome to Queer Media Pills, the podcast bringing queer media to your ears one short pill at a time. This is Mars, my pronouns are he, him, and I'm your host. Today I want to introduce you to Julana, contemporary Filipino director who is doing so much for queer cinema. His first feature was in 2006, it was a queer comedy titled Giggle, and it was the first of many. His film I want to talk about today is Die Beautiful from 2016, it is also a comedy. It has won several awards in its award run in Asia, but it doesn't seem to have made it much into the eye of Western audiences. It did win awards at the Metro Manila Film Festival in 2016, as well as the Special Jury Award for Outstanding Performance in the 21st International Film Festival Kerala in India and the Audience Award and Best Actor Award in the 29th Tokyo International Film Festival. I personally quite liked this film. I found out about it and about Julana in general. Basically, every so often I go look through Netflix's catalogue for LGBT comedies because I don't think there's enough. In general, we need more queer comedies in the world and if you have any recommendations you want to make, I'll be very happy happy to see whatever you recommend. So essentially on Netflix I found The Panty Sisters, which is a different film by the same director, and I really liked that. So I looked it up and then I watched uh, Die Beautiful, and I was like, I need to talk about this. But before I go ahead, I'd like to acknowledge that I am, in fact, white and European. As such, even though I have done reading and like research, my perspective on Filipino cinema is going to be limited by my not having experienced the culture. And I only hope this episode to be a stepping stone, maybe bring um, this film in the radar of some who may not have known about them otherwise, and start a conversation. But if you do want to find more about Filipino cinema in general or dive deeper, I do encourage you look for Asian sources about it, specifically Filipino sources about it. That said, I have done appropriate research to understand the context of this film and I hope I'll do it justice. So with that in mind, I think it's important to fully appreciate this film, to understand some degree of historical context of Filipino queer cinema because queer representation in the Philippines only came on screen around the 50s, especially many people pinpoint the movie Jack and Jill from 1954 as the very first representation of uh, gay people on uh, in Filipino cinema. And this film does depict a fairly stereotypical caricature of uh, queerness with a very, very feminine man and his uh, very masculine sister. Um, this portrayal became sort of the blueprint for uh, representation of queerness in Filipino cinema and became an expectation of the audiences forming what's an archetype, even a stereotype of uh, queerness The has had an impact in the way the society perceives gayness, which is as this flamboyant, beauty-obsessed uh, people. This stereotype is called the parlorista. It's a flamboyant queer who works specifically at a hairdresser, a beauty salon, a parlor. And I think what's very interesting about this film, much like the other film I've seen by June, The Panty Sisters, is that... Instead of contradicting this stereotype, instead of simply showing a depiction of queerness that isn't the one the public expects, instead it reclaims the stereotype. This playing into the stereotype is why this film spoke to me personally so much. I am myself a trans man and affirming my masculinity seems to be something so many people expect me to do. But like, I'm not 
a very masculine person. I'm a queer man. I enjoy being at times something that could be described as flamboyant and effeminate. I love I love glitter and feathers and I stick rainbows everywhere. And sometimes it does feel like the community itself is expecting me to establish that I'm not like that, I'm not like that stereotype. And well, I'm bisexual and I'm trans and I'm non-binary and I feel like society is expecting me to be like however I can also be normal I can also be respectable but uh, the truth is that I don't care I don't always um, fit the norms of social respectability sometimes I'm camp and flamboyant and that doesn't mean that I'm any less of a deep and three-dimensional person. I'm not a parody. I am still a full-fledged human being when I'm on the nose and flamboyant and queer. And I think both Die Beautiful and the Panty Sisters really bring this point home, which is why I enjoyed them so much. The plot in Die Beautiful is simple yet very interesting. This film is about Trisha, a Filipino transgender woman, and she is dead, uh, which isn't the best starting point because there is such a big problem with queer people dying systematically in all queer films. But the film is all about her life, the joys and sorrows and the adversities she had to face. And uh, essentially, it starts with her dying right after winning this beauty pageant that she had so fought for. And we're told that essentially she requested for her friends to dress her corpse and do her makeup every day of the week of her wake, making her impersonate different celebrities. And this is already the first element that really hooked me in because uh, it's rich of a gallows humor. Um, a joy in the morbid that I'm personally very attracted to and that I think is really peculiar to queer film. And I don't mean that morbid humor is exclusive of queer cinema, of course, but I do think there is something about finding light in the darkness that is very strongly queer. And what I found out around by looking at reviews is the cinema goers who got to see this in the cinemas in the Philippines apparently weren't taking it very seriously and laughing at the wrong parts. One of the reviewers that I found goes so far as to suggest that the Philippines were maybe not ready for this movie. Personally, I think it's simply its humor wasn't targeted to straight people. And this isn't to say that straight people wouldn't enjoy it, but rather that it was very much explicitly talking to a queer audience. I don't think this film was perfect, but I did find it very engaging and funny and clever. Ultimately, it did entertain me, which is what good cinema should do first and foremost. What I especially really found fascinating on a both technical, intellectual level of as someone who really loves films, but also as a queer person looking for new ways queerness can find its own language in cinema. I really, really loved the way this film jumps through timelines because, yes, we see her at the first, at the very beginning, dead, but the film then follows uh, multiple different storylines which are just excerpts of her life, just peaks through experiences that she had that give us an idea of all of her loves and sorrows, all the affection she had in her life, and all the struggles she went through. And they are put together in a way that doesn't follow a straight timeline, but rather jumps before and after. 
and mixed storylines in a way that was uh, very interesting and I did I really didn't find it hard to follow despite all these time jumps and I then found out that the director explained that this was meant to be evoking the feeling of a eulogy because she's dead and uh, these are all peaks of her experiences which give us an idea of who she was as a person and I found this a very interesting approach dealing with death and a beautiful twist that completely subverts what we expect of a three arc structure narrative. This kind of approach, this kind of original take is exactly what I expect from queer cinema. A queer cinema that takes the traditional structure and imposition of uh, canons and breaks away from it, making it so new thing. And the cinematography really works with it because it shifts dramatically in lighting choices, in tone and pace, even the editing, depending on the moment of the story. I generally think we could take different bits of this film and... uh, and show them to people who haven't seen the whole film. And they might think they're different films because of how varied the technical choices are. And this generally works very well. Like, um, when thinking about it at first, I wouldn't expect such very different elements to work together, but they really do. I do think some of these scenes went a bit too dark in showing the sorrows and struggles of her life. Um, There is at some point a very long and uncomfortable rape scene which can definitely be extremely triggering for audiences and I personally really hate films with rape scenes in general. I had to skim through this and it still felt too long because I really don't think films need rape scenes unless they're fundamental to the plot and even then there's ways um, a good director can skip through them imply something has happened because showing a scene like that will inherently be upsetting survivors and people who have rape as a big fear of theirs and I generally don't think especially when making a film about minorities who are so highly at risk of assault. Putting a rape scene in means making them more inaccessible. It means deciding that a lot of trans women and a lot of women in general and a lot of people because of course women aren't the only one who get assaulted just won't be able to experience this work which essentially as I said before this is clearly aimed at queer people so to make a film that has an intended audience that is queer and then to choose to have such a graphic and upsetting scene that is gonna exclude and prevent some people from being able to enjoy it I think is um, a problematic choice the good thing is that other than in this scene the film doesn't really dwell like much other trans cinema on her pain rather seems to have an overall aim of celebrating her life it has a overall positive message even if she does die she dies after achieving her dream and the film itself doesn't focus too much on their grief but more on how she stood up and she reclaimed her life for herself despite all that she's been through and the lack of acceptance she sometimes had around. And of course I do have to address the elephant in the room, which is the main character is a trans woman, Um, but she's still played by a cis man. This is such a big flaw, not just because of a moral principle that trans women should be played by trans women, but for very specific and practical reasons. There is a systematic issue with society viewing trans women 
as men who are playing dress-up. And there is also a big problem with transphobia within the industry and trans women do not get casted for any role. If we cast men in the role of trans women, then that means taking away opportunities from actresses that could play the role and potentially play it so much better because they're gonna bring an authenticity to the interpretation that just can't be there for a cis actor. I have to say though that unlike other films like The Danish Girl, it doesn't focus on the process of transitioning so much. It doesn't linger on the physicality. And again, because I'm trans myself, I might be biased because it is my automatic assumption, but I don't think the audience is ever led to think the main character is anything but a woman. It is still a major flaw in this film that otherwise I found overall very enjoyable. It has a very nice pace and it's doing something very innovative with the form of film itself. And I do find it puzzling that the director who's been in the queer cinema circuit for so long would be blind to this matter of casting, which is a big conversation the industry is having. It becomes especially puzzling because then in uh, the Panty Sisters, which which also sort of does this, but keeps more blurred lines in the identities of the siblings. One of the characters explicitly identifies as a demigirl, which is a, a very specific label which falls under the umbrella of non-binary identities, which shows from the writer and director's perspective a very specific knowledge of queer issues and uh, lingo, which then makes the fact that he still chose to cast a man to play a trans woman, I think it is a big lacking on the filmmaker's part, but it doesn't take away too much of my enjoyment as a trans person and as a queer film enthusiast and uh, a queer filmmaker of this film. I do encourage you all to go watch it and I would love to hear your thoughts about this either in the comment section or on my social media, Queer Media Pills, either on Instagram or Twitter. This is all from me and goodbye.